This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. New message. Hey, man, it's Devin. You know, from that time you accidentally emailed me because you thought I was a different Devin. <laughs> oh, and your email signature said confidential. If you receive this in error, please delete. <laughs> That's so you. Anyway, I heard you bought a boat when we set in sail, Captain. <laughs> When you get a boat, you also get new friends. Make sure Progressive's one of them and get coverage today for as little as $100 a year. Oh, and uh, no, you did not receive this message in error. <laughs> Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates Annual Premium for Basic Liability Policy not available in all states. Your favorite band's about to play a sold-out show, and you definitely got tickets. And drinks. Now hurry and make it back to your spot. Pass this person and that person about 20 more. Ooh, watch out for feet. Hey. Just keep going. A little further. Oh, there's your friend. Over here. Right where you want to be. Close enough to see the set list. And they're definitely playing your song. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Welcome back to another sparkling edition of that Millwall podcast as we step into the Lions' den once again with a former Millwall favourite and uh, a favourite player of mine, actually, from his time at Millwall. Uh, I'd like to introduce to everybody Mr Paul Moody. Good evening, Paul. How are you, mate? Good evening. Very well, thanks. Um, Yeah, looking forward to what's uh, in store for tonight. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, we'll go gentle with you. Yeah, well, we always go gentle with everyone. Uh, we'll just start about your early career, actually. You you played non-league football, didn't you, for Fairham, I think, and Waterlooville. Yeah, uh, had a bit of a... Sorry, go on, carry on. Yeah, no, go on. No, I was going to say I had a bit of a strange start. I was, 
didn't really get noticed when I was younger. Um, by the age of 16, I was playing like men's football in goal. I was playing in goal on a Saturday, um, Sunday morning outfield, then Sunday afternoon, another game, um, like pub football, just with mates and stuff. And then uh, I was scoring like 10 goals a game. And then uh, Fairham, non-league team, give us a game for the reserves, scored hat-trick then. They saw me on, played in the first team the Saturday, scored hat-trick then as well. So it, it just sort of went on from there, really. Yeah, and I think, didn't you have a trial at Coventry City at some point as yes. well? Yes, yeah, when I was at Fairham. Um, went up there for the week and uh, they wanted to sign me, actually. John Rudge was the manager. Um but I was a bit of a home bird, you know. I, I didn't want to move away. Uh, and I must have been about 18 at the time. And I just thought, no, I, I, I liked the level I was playing at. Um, maybe if I'd gone there, might have been a better thing. But you'll never know. Bit of a, it was a bit of a school of hard knocks. The Beezer Homes League, I think it was back then, wasn't it? The Southern League. Yeah, it was a tough old league, that. Um I'm on a, like a non-league website now where there's about 6,000 members and there's loads of different people with different things on there. And uh, they were saying which was the toughest league. And the Bees Rounds was, out of most of the um, comments, was the toughest league out there. It was very physical. I mean, our our team at Fairham were not sort of that physical, but then I joined Waterlooville and uh, every player was like six foot plus. Um and they were all lads as well, local lads. And, and it was a, yeah, it was interesting, put it that way. Yeah, well, funnily enough, I came through the same sort of thing as a, as a local newspaper reporter. And I remember covering Haven and Waterlooville, or Waterlooville as they were back then. Yeah. And I seem to remember, did you have a running battle at one time with a, well, with a former Millwall apprentice called George Borg. George Borg. Chelmsford, was he Chelmsford manager? Yeah. I yeah, think Chelmsford he was, wasn't he? Manager. Yeah. Yeah, we always had some um, tough games up there. Um, but yeah, I do remember, I don't remember too much about it, to be honest. But now you've mentioned the name, Chelmsford was always a, a massive game. Wilston as well. Um, we used to play against Wilston. Fisher. Fisher Athletic, they were another, I think all the sort of London teams were big encounters. You were Dartford, Crawley, who I actually covered. And then you and then you used to go up to the Midlands and they didn't take prisoners up there either, did they really? No, exactly. I mean, that was part of the non-league thing. You, you'd sort of go to work, finish work about two o'clock, then get on a coach, four-hour journey midweek up to places like Burton Albion and from Portsmouth. That was a, it was a hell of a journey. You know, I didn't get back till two in the morning and up again at six for work. So it was a, it was tough. Non-league was, was very tough and I'd imagine it still is now. Yeah, because I think actually back then, weren't you digging ditches or something like that for a living? Yeah, I've done everything. I, I mean, I started off digging in Foley, the oil refinery and everything had to be hand dug. Um, so literally you spend, and we used to do 12-hour shifts, and you do a 12-hour shift and then uh, get back for training Tuesdays and Thursdays. So, yeah, it, it was hard work. 
And and then I think eventually you got a chance at Southampton. And judging by your accent, that was quite a local club. <laughs> what, what are you trying to say? I sound like a farmer. <laughs> yeah. Something like um, that, mate. Yeah, no, I was I was playing for Waterlooville at the time, and doing well, scoring goals. And uh, Ray Graydon was the scout, come and looked at me and said, "Yeah, go up there for a trial for a week." So um, went up there for a week. I think Chris Nichol was the manager at the time. It was coming to the end of the season. He said, "Yeah, I want to sign you. We'd do it during the summer." Then he got sacked, and uh, Ian Brownfoot took over in the summer. And luckily enough. Um, he tried to sign me when he was Reading manager. So, uh, all, all worked out good. And then I think, yeah, I think you had a handful of games in the early days of the Premier League. So, you, so it was quite a rise, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I, I remember it quite well. The thing is, I, I was scoring loads of goals for the Southampton Reserves and I settled in really well. Um, and I just needed that lucky break of a goal for the first team. Um, and I, I think I'd have been a regular in the team. Um, but you had the likes of Alan Shearer, Matt Letizia, Paul Rideout, and then they signed Ian Dowie. So there, there were some top top forwards there, to be fair. Quite a tough environment. But then again, you'd come through the hard way. Yeah, that's it. I always remember the first game. We, we had Tottenham, um, Tottenham at home and I was sub. And uh, literally come on for the last 10 minutes. And to be fair, I was shitting myself, <laughs> to put it bluntly. Um, it, it was one of them things, but just I just run around like headless chicken just to sort of try and get involved. I had a chance of scoring as well. Um, header that just sort of missed. But no, it was, it was all um, all good. I mean, Southampton, they, they bring up the youngsters as well. Um, and so mainly in the reserves and we, we used to do a lot of proper training what I think a lot of the players and teams don't do now you know we were back in the afternoons passing the ball like five or six yards against the bench you know things like that and striking the ball into a small area crossing heading you know I would spend all afternoon heading a great grade and used to cross balls in for me and uh, I'd just practice heading against a against war, which was obviously yeah. good, stood me in good stead for the future. Yeah, but it would have done when you were down at Millwall, that's for sure. <laughs> then I think you actually moved on to Oxford after that, and you were part of a Division 2 promotion winning side, weren't you? Yeah, we had a good time. I, I joined them just when they were sort of struggling down the bottom of the, what was then the first division, what's the championship now. Um we ended up going down that year. I think I scored eight goals in 15 games. We still ended up going down. Then the next year, we got close. And then the following year, we got promoted. So, um, yeah, had a good time at Oxford. I think Probably in played that some promotion... There. Really? I think, in that, I think in that promotion winning season, you actually played against Millwall in the FA yes, Cup. Yes, FA know... Cup. Yeah. What do you remember about I that I do game? remember it. Yeah, it was, it was three all. Um, I scored a goal and I think the replay, we won 1-0. Well, Oxford won 1-0, should I say. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Alex Ray yeah. scored twice in the first game, didn't he? That's right. Yeah, I vaguely remember it. 
<laughs> but yeah, that was a. Uh, I mean, as a player going to play at Millwall, that was an experience, you know. So uh, you can imagine what it's like for other teams coming down and playing there. Uh, I, th- I think they get fired up for it because they have to. Was that your first experience of playing against Millwall, that FA Cup side? I had a reserve game for Southampton um, at the old den. And uh, I remember Mick McCarthy was marking me and he was sort of saying, yeah, don't run around too much because I was quite quick back then. <laughs> Hard to believe. But um, <laughs> yeah, I can't... I can't remember too much about the game, but I do remember turning up there thinking, God, what, what have I come to here? You know, um, scary place, even when it was empty, you know, but it's a good experience. Yeah, and that would have been a Tuesday afternoon, wouldn't it? I think those games in the I think it, Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And what was it like having Mick McCarthy, Mark, you? Because I guess he was quite old school in his approach. Yeah, I mean, a lot of players spoke about him, said he was quite intimidating, but um, he was one of those that would talk to you during a game, you know, I don't think he wanted to run around too much, um, but no, we had a, can't even remember the score to be fair, but no, there was no no dramas. Then I think you moved on to Fulham, where you uh, won a second division championship, didn't you? Yeah, I had another good time at Fulham, although I was out for sort of a long part of the season. I broke my leg just at the start of the season where um, Kevin Keegan took over as manager. So they were expecting big things. Um, I was gutted, really, because I was was in the team doing well. And then uh, they obviously made a lot of big signings. Um, Then come to the, I got myself fit again after about six months out and we were, I think we were top of the league. We had to win the last game to win promotion. And uh, old sub come on at half-time, nil-nil, and uh, scored hat-trick. So uh, <laughs> that was my last game. That, you know, so that was my last game for Fulham. So, uh, yeah, it was good. Good memories. Yeah, but well, that's boys' own stuff, that, isn't it? Six months out, come on at half-time, need to win to win the league. And yeah. And your bag a hat trick. Yeah, I was. I mean, being out for the season, watching the team do well. I mean, I was training hard every day to get myself fit, and I think come the end of the season, players sort of uh, get a bit mentally tired of football, and some of the other teams they switch off if they've got day four. They're just thinking about their two months off in the summer. Um, but I was like proper fired up and ready to go. So, uh, yeah, had a good game. That was the start of when money was just starting to come into the game, wasn't it, at that time? Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, I I just missed out on that. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Fulham started paying some big wages then to players. Um, I I signed for them just before that period. Although uh, the money that I did make, two marriages has cost me that. So uh, I'm sort of back to square one. But now, <laughs> at the end of the day, I mean, the, the money, what's what's going about now is, is ridiculous what players are, players are paid now. Um, 
I think they will come to a point where they put a cap on it, um, which I think is fair, really. Did it ever make you... Did you ever quite resent it at Fulham? You'd signed before the big money came in, and did you ever think, Christ, I'm scoring some goals here. Shouldn't I be on this kind of money? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I um, went to see the manager, Keegan, at the time, and I sort of said to him, look, I'm doing better than half these players who you've paid over a million pounds for. You know, and they were probably on five and six grand a week at the time, and I was nowhere near that. Um and yeah, it, it was a little bit of resentment, but he sort of said, well, you were happy with your contract when you signed it, which I was. Um, but what, I mean, that is a diff- different scenario when someone takes over and chucks a lot of money at a club. Um, you, you just have to go with it, you know, and obviously they are one in the f- future plans, uh, being about 30 at the time. So uh, they were obviously bringing in younger, bigger bigger name players, which they did do, and they obviously done well for it. What was Al Fayed like? Did you ever come across him? Because he he comes across as a bit of a character, doesn't he? Well, to be fair, he showed his face around the training ground, all the ground. Um, I think probably met him twice in the two and a half years I was there. One of them was the last day when we so when I scored the hat trick and we we got promoted. And he was giving medals out. But um, other than that, I think one day was like one of my biggest disappointments in life. Um, I'm into a music and uh, being out injured, I was out for the six months. Normally, I'd come in on Saturday and have a bit of treatment, whatever. The physio said, we were playing at home. He said, don't bother coming in. And uh, that day, Alfie had brought Michael Jackson to the ground and uh, brought him in the change and changed rooms before the game so I ended up missing out it was all in the business the next day that was there and a couple of other players were sort of saying yeah they'd met him and had a chat with him whatever um, so no I, I missed out on that but hey ho and then I think at the end of that season uh, you ended up moving to Millwall under Macca and Rhino how yeah? How did that move yeah. come about? Um, I remember getting a phone call from Bob Pearson, and uh, we arranged a meet up at Fleet Services. Which, it was a bit strange. Had a coffee, negotiated money, and then um, next day I think I had a meeting with Theo Pafitas at his um, underwear factory up near Heathrow, there somewhere. <laughs> And, um, yeah, the rest, rest of it's history. Yeah, I was, I was quite happy to sign. It was a, it was a good, good challenge for me. I think after this, sort of knowing that I weren't going anywhere at Fulham, um, to take the opportunity to go to Millwall, I, I just wish it had been there in my career because I was a totally different player then. But, um, no, I had some good times. So what was it like? Having to negotiate with Theo, quite a tough. You have a you have quite a tough negotiator if you watch Lions well, or you have Dragons Day. Yeah, to be fair, I've I've never had that. That's right. <laughs> never had an agent. Um, I always used to speak the PFA 
and they would give you a rough guide of what players were earning, what the top sort of wages were and whatever. Um, and they'd give you a sort of guide of what to go in with, whatever. So, no, I'm afraid to negotiate my own, my own sort of contracts and whatever, which which is what I did. Um, and to be fair, no, I feel I was, he was good as gold. Yeah, you're big enough and ugly enough, I guess, to you able to really look after yourself by then, weren't you? Less of the ugly. <laughs> big enough, yeah, exactly, big enough, yeah. But no, no I, I just thought to myself, why why pay an agent thousands of pounds for something what I can do myself, you know? Um, yeah, but they weren't going to get much more money, were probably they? Probably could do the same. I don't think... Yeah, but an agent and, and the wasn't going to get much more money. Did get, probably went to the agent anyway. Yeah, that's right. So No, he wouldn't have done no, exactly. As as I say, I knew the wage structure there anyway. Um, what they offered me was good, so I was happy with it. What was it like with Macca and Rhino in charge? Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, they that was their first managerial job, so it was all sort of new to them. Um and they they give it their best, and to be fair, they had a good set of young players to work with. Um, but I think they sort of took them as far as they could without sort of getting promoted. Um, but no, they they done a great job. To be fair, but obviously it, it helped having a, as I said, a good good set of players there to work with. Funnily enough, I would, that was actually going to be my next question. You were bought in really is a bit of experience because we had likes of Lucas Neal, Joe Dolan, Tim Cahill, Neil Harris, Paul Ifill, Mark Bircham, Stephen Reid. They were all kids, weren't they, really, and very inexperienced kids at that. Yeah, that's it. I think they had a good year the year before, before I joined. Um, and I remember Rhino and Macca sort of saying to me, this year we're expecting to get promoted. Um, and they sort of looked at it. They just needed a bit of experience here and there. The team, the sort of backbone of the team. Um, and I think Sean Dyche signed at the same time as me. Um, so there was a bit of age in there. You had a couple of sort of middle-aged sort of players playing as well with a bit of experience. So it was a good blend, good blend of players. And they were all eager and keen to to do well, you know, which which most of them did. I think they were quite cocky as well, weren't they? Judging by my, uh, judging by what they've told me. Yeah, most of them. Were, I mean, <laughs> Neil Harris, uh, Mark Bircham, around the change room. Yeah, they're they're always uh, chirpy cockneys, I used to call them. But they're, no, they're, they're brilliant lads. And as I say, they always had stories to tell and uh, what they were getting up. And then you had the couple of Irish lads, Ryan and Richard. There there was always a few um, funny things going on with them too. So no, as I say, it was a good good blend of uh, players. And I, th- I think that you sort of build up a bit of team spirit through these kind of things, you know. Um, I used to keep myself to myself, to be fair, when I was a bit older. Um, but no, it was, a, it was an experience. 
Yeah, well, I guess you didn't want to have to try and keep up with them, did you? Yeah, being in their your late teens and early twenties. Well, you were... as I say, when I first signed, it it was I was sort of on a. To me, I think by the time I got to thirty, um, I'd lost a yard of pace, and always trained hard. So, uh, but trying to keep up with some of them in some of the like pre-season runs and whatever, you just had to accept that, do your best and just give everything you've got. Um, and that's all I've done really in training as well. But I think they, they sort of helped to pull me along a bit of a uh, there. Did you have to earn the respect to them? Um, yeah, probably worked both ways really. They, they sort of, See that I was an experienced player, been there, been there and done it. Um, so it did work both ways. But yeah, I mean, whenever you go to a new club, you have to sort of earn the respect of the players who are already playing, um, which is some sometimes not that easy. But I don't know. I think I fitted in quite well when I went there. And uh, it took you. <laughs> Yeah, but I didn't realise this, but it actually took you 11 games to score your first goal, didn't it? So so there must have been quite a lot of pressure there. Yeah, I didn't realise it was 11 games. But, um, yeah, I think, as I say, when I was at, when I was at Southampton, if I got a first goal, um, it does just settle your nerves and uh, just waiting for the next one to come then. But it is for the goals thing. If you're not scoring, then you start sort of thinking the next game, oh, am I going to score? Then you start putting pressure on yourself. So yeah, it is difficult. And what what was the pressure like from the stands? Because Millwall fans are quite demanding, aren't they? Yeah, I think as long as they saw an effort, which I always did, um, put a shift in, then um, they'd appreciate what you were doing. And then, as I say, once you get that first goal, it's like a weight off your shoulders. Then and and then I start to follow. Um, so, yeah, I think it's the same at most clubs I went to, really. Goal does sort of relax you a bit and change your, your attitude to the game. Now, now, so it's sort of a luck thing as well, you know. Sometimes you can get a lucky goal. Um, so, no, I can't moan, really, because I, I scored a few. What do you remember about your first goal? Because I think it was against Colchester, wasn't it? I don't remember nothing about it. <laughs> oh, it was funny because Mick sent me a um, few videos of my goals, and, and uh, I was I was just looking back up, and uh, I think it was a header what got a deflection. Um, I, I don't remember nothing of it. As, as I say, I, how many goals I scored for Milwaukee, I can't remember. But as I say, half of them I haven't even seen until tonight, and uh, it's like no, I don't remember that one. I don't remember that one. Some of them you remember. Um, was, uh, I'm getting older now. I'm 54 in next month. So, uh, maybe the old dementia's setting in. <laughs> and then I think you got a hat trick against Colchester, which was your, which was the game after that. Right again, I don't even remember many of their goals. Uh, don't even remember the game. There's only a few of the games stand out where, I mean, the last game of the season when we we beat Oldham 5-0. That was obviously a game that I remembered. 
because there was there was so much on it. Um, but I've that's right, yeah. But other than that, you remember odd little clippets. But no, it seems like a, a another life. You know, we always talk to my girlfriend about it, and it's it's like another life. You know, um, I mean, I'm painting the deck painting now, so that's my life now. And the football just seems like a dream, really. It's a, it's not really happened. Do you remember the? Playoff semi final that season against Wigan, where we drew nil nil at home and then lost one nil away. Yeah, I don't remember anything about the home game, but the one game, the only sort of thing I remember about it was um, after the game, waiting outside for the coach and our fans were uh, being a little bit naughty, and they a few of them come out stick, you know, the players. Uh, which I thought was a little bit, little bit off, um, but they obviously travelled up there. They wanted us to win, and they were a bit pissed off that we'd not won. You know, when I clock out of the hospital at six p.m., I'm not done for the night. That's when Gamer Nurse Forty clocks in, and she's got orcs to slay. Sure, I'm playing a thirteen-year-old in Scranton, but he's a level fifty-three mage with a filthy mouth. So I need to stay on top of my game. What you call me? That's when I crack open a Heineken Zero Zero. Zero alcohol, but just as refreshing. So I can focus on stealing his gold before his mom tells him it's bedtime. Take that, kids. Heineken Zero Zero. Zero point zero percent alcohol. Now you can. Must be 21 plus to purchase. Enjoy responsibly. On August 25th. I'm the most brutal, vicious, ruthless champion that's ever been. The most anticipated original series is here. You may know Tyson. You're the heavyweight champion of the world, young, rich, and black. But do you know Mike? The minute you get too big, they gotta cut you down. Starring Trevante Rhodes. Um, I am Mike. And Harvey Keitel. They'll love you as much as they fear you. Now I'm really gonna have some fun. Mike, series premiere August 25th, only on Hulu. Um, we're, I mean, we were gutted enough as it was, you know. And us, you know. So, uh, yeah, that was a little bit of a something rather forget. So what was the difference between that season and the season that we won promotion, the season after? Yeah, again, it's, yeah, again, really don't remember many of the games unless I see sort of clip it on goals, whatever. But as I say, the standout game was the last one. Last one of the season, um, which I think we had to win. Um, we did with one five, so yeah, all was good. Because we had to change a manager, didn't we? Uh, I think it was two or three months into the season. What do? You, was there a feeling that everybody felt sorry for Macca I mean, and Ryan? I was going to say no. Um, a little bit, but as I said earlier on, I think they sort of took them as far as they took us as far as they could. Um, and we needed to sort of change a few things. I mean, when Ray Half had come in, I think it was Mark McGee, excellent man manager. Um, with Ray Half, it was a good combination. I mean, Ray, Ray took the first however many training sessions, um, and we went on a little break. Three or four day break to Valencia, I think it was out in Spain, and we trained really hard. Um, obviously, we had a few drinks while we were out there as well. But um, I think coming 
come back from that, we hit a bit of form, um, really good form. I don't know how many games we won, but I think that was a sort of defining moment in our season. Um, and I think definitely the fact that Ray and um, Maggie come and joined us um, was the, the difference between us getting promoted and not. Yeah, but did you like a beer, Yebel, as a player? I never drink, never drink beer, as, as you can probably have a cardi here with me now. Um, no, I never drank, never drank much when I was playing. Um, don't get me wrong, I did, I did like a night out and uh, a few bouquets. Um, but I always tended, because wherever I played at, I mean, I... When I was at Millwall, I lived down in Portsmouth, so I used to travel home after every game. So it was a bit difficult after the game to go and have a beer with the lads. Um, and I, I chose to do that. I mean, I could have stayed up, but I sort of put my family um, first, coming back home. But no, as I say, no, I, I do enjoy a drink, not beer, but I mean, probably... Probably drinking too much in this this lockdown period at the moment, like probably most people are. So, so did you? Uh, yeah, well, that season actually, uh, yeah, we scored a yeah, we scored a couple of goals against Colchester on Boxing Day, I think, when we hammered them six one, and I think the writing was on the wall then that we were going to go up, wasn't it? Yeah, so I think we hit a good bit of form and uh, we expected to win every game. It, it was kind of mentality, you know, the, the team just couldn't see, see us getting beat. And uh say that, I can't remember how many games were left when we come back to going out of Spain, um, but it was a little bonding trip for the players. And at the same time, we did work really hard out there on a couple of things. Um, and come back and we were I mean as you said earlier on so the young players we had there were they were on fire you were, you were talking of on fire Chopper was on fire that season wasn't he everything that lad touched went in the back of the net yeah I mean to be fair he set up a lot of goals as well uh, most of my goals he'd set up um, he come from non-league the same as I did. And uh, I think we, we hit a good sort of partnership there. Um, and every every ball he seemed to put in the box, I just knew where he was going to put it. Um, which you can say you you can work on it in training, but it's sort of a bit of understanding between two players, you know. Um and to be fair, as I said, I've looked at a lot of the goals I've scored for Millwall. He, he set most of them up. Was he the best striker that you played with? Him and with John Byrne. Uh, when I joined Oxford, John Byrne was there, ex-Sunderland and forward. And uh, me and him had a good partnership. Um, but yeah, I, I think Neil was on a part of him. Have you got my charger? Just getting phone charged, but going a bit dead. Um, so yeah, Neil, Neil was brilliant. As I said, I didn't realise how many goals he actually set up for me. 
until you started reading that. Yeah, but John Burns actually a mate of mine. Yeah, well, I know John very well uh, from his time at Brighton. And, uh, yeah, yeah well, he played for Millwall, of course. Bloke. Yeah, top, top lad for a mank, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's a lovely bloke. Um, and, yeah, good good goal scorer as well and, and a good partner to play with. I'm just trying to charge my phone up. Right, so... Uh... And Timmy Cahill had just started to make his mark as well then, hadn't he? Yeah, I mean, he, he was one of the sort of players who you didn't really know whether he was going to make it or not, but I don't know, he just do things like, you know. You wouldn't say he had a load of technical ability. Um, but he was just very fit. Very good in the air for his size um, and trained hard. I mean, the fact that he got a big move to Everton and, and done really well there. I mean, his, his career sort of took off after he left us. Um, World Cups for Australia, getting amazing goals. Um, no, it was, it was a good experience to play in the same team as him. Were you surprised that he had that success later in his career? A, a little bit, but really looking at them as what they're Lucas Neal as well. Or I feel um, they all did Mark Bertram played for Canada. Um, so yeah, the, but they they all deserved it because they were they were good young players at the time. Yeah, Stephen Reid obviously I think played for the Republic of Ireland. God knows how that happened. Bertram, I don't think he'd ever been to Canada had he before he well before he won a cap. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he used to drink the Canadian goose, the old um vodka, I think. That's how he got to play for Canada. <laughs> um but now now really I forgot about him. Another player with a hell of a strike on him. Just trying to think who else it was. I mean every player in that team, Richard Sadler, another one who I think if he and a bit injured with it, could have gone on played in the Premier easy. Oh, definitely. I think he was actually lined up for a move to Manchester United for about five million quid when he got injured. So, um, Fergie didn't sign many duff ones, did he? No, to be fair, um, as I say, Sads was one of those, again, you, you look at him and he didn't really... Um, have lots of skills or anything, but what he'd done, same as Timmy Cahill, they just done everything right, kept things simple um, and and worked hard. And, yes, it's a shame said, it would be interesting to see how far he could have gone. And I actually think what is forgotten largely about that season is that Lucas Neal couldn't really get in that team and he was a blinding player. Because 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 I think it was Matty Lawrence was keeping him out at right back, wasn't he? Yeah, another underrated player, Matty Lawrence. He was I was with him at Fulham and um Bob Pearson asked me about him because they were interested in signing him and I said, get him. He he's one of those he was he was as anything. Um and he was another steady Eddie. He he, he put hundred percent in every game. Never let you down. Um, 
and yeah, again, I think he was one of another one of the, the, the say he was one of the younger ones. He probably wasn't one of the younger ones, but they were all young compared to me, to be fair. But he was actually one that you're quite right flew under the radar, didn't he? Completely. Yeah, so under, underrated player. Um, but he was always 100% Mr. Reliable. Um, and he was a good player as well. He'd get forward. He was he was up and down the right wing. I mean, he's a good defender uh, as as well as a sort of attacking midfield player. Um, he's, as you said earlier, Lucas Neal, for him not going to get in the team, it's unbelievable really because he went on and played for Australia and had a big move to Blackburn as well. Um, I just... I think if I was 10 years younger, maybe maybe I could have had a big move somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but you certainly played in the right team at that time. Uh, do you remember an away match towards the end of that season against Bristol City? I don't know if you're going to say that. Yes, we were talking about it the other day. Um, I think me and Chopper both got sent off to... Yeah, you did, by Mike Jones, who's actually now head of Premier League referees or something. So it all kind of kicked off towards the end of the game, didn't it? I think you... Really, yeah. You, you, I you think Chopper you said, and yeah, Peter Beadle. Yeah, there was an incident at a corner when um, I think I was marking Beadle. Um, they had a corner and uh, he sort of backed into me and and stood on my toes, put his studs into my feet, you know. One of them old tricks. So um, I headbutted him on the back of the head, and obviously the referee see it and sent us both off. Um, but it, it was so strange because I went, we went up to um, Lancaster Gate and appealed against it. And uh, you had three three old codgers there. They must have been about three hundred years between the three of them. And uh, they said, "No, we can't see anything wrong with that." And they they overturned. They overturned a red card. So I ended up not missing yeah. any games. Yeah, but that's a touch of luck, really, because I think I think I think that forced uh, Mark McGee into the transfer market on deadline day, didn't it? And he bought in Tony Cotty and Steve Claridge. Yes, yeah. I mean Steve Claridge I know him really well. Uh, um another character. I mean Tony Cotty had the odd game for us. I don't think he really done much. But Steve Claridge obviously done well for the club. Um, but yeah, what a character. You have a Tony Cotty's best 19 minutes of his career, judging by the 500 games he played in that shirt across the water. But we won't go into that too much. What was Claridge like? Because, yeah, well, I guess, yeah, but did you travel up with him? Yeah, we used to meet, because he, he used to live about a couple of miles away from me, so we used to meet up at a hotel, and every day he'd turn up in a different car. He'd have dirty boxer shorts in there, suits, papers, crisp packets, half-eaten apples on the floor. It, it was unbelievable. You had to see it to believe it, but he, he was such a character, but he, he just didn't care, you know. He was one of those, he, he never ate anything. After training, all the players were going for like a a good meal, you know, and he would just eat an apple and a bag of crisps, um, which is yeah, it seemed to work for him. But yeah, it, 
Lovely, lovely bloke. Still keep in touch with him now. Yeah, he he was on these thyroid tablets as well. And that, that, that's, that's another little story. I remember we had a midweek game. Um, we trained in the morning. Me and him went back to the hotel and um, gone to our rooms, had a, had a couple of hours kip. And uh, I'm waiting down in the car park for him. Still not turned up, still not turned up. Half an hour later, he's still not turned up. Anyway, drives to the ground. We get halfway there and he said, oh, I forgot my tablets. He left his tablets at the, at the hotel. So we had to drive all the way back there. Then literally we turned up, must have been about five minutes before kickoff. And Mark McGee was doing the, um, the uh, team talk before the game. And Mr. Steve's walking. And uh, he sort of said, oh, I'll speak to you after, you know. But that, that was Steve. He, he was um, proper... I wouldn't say unreliable. He was just scatty. Yeah, he was just as mad as a box of frogs, really, wasn't he? Yeah, but I think that is what we needed towards the end of that season, wasn't it? Was a little bit, bit a little bit more experience and somebody different. Yeah, that's it. Some fresh legs, and um, I mean, Sad and I were sort of missing games through injury. Um, so yeah, I mean, when Steve came, it was it was like we had so many many fours to choose from. Um, so that could be could have been one of the main differences. Well promoted, and then I think we actually won promotion at Wrexham, and we needed to beat Oldham to win the title. And they weren't going to stop us that day, were they? No matter what they did. Yeah, I vaguely remember the game away at Wrexham. Uh, was it? It was away, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but anyway, yeah, the last, last game, um, <clears throat> we wanted to win it. Yeah, so, yeah, so the, the old game, we wanted to win that and everyone's fired up. Um, and we obviously won it 5 0. But something's just come to my head in about Mark McGee and his, his sort of man management. I remember most managers would get you in Christmas Day. Uh, well, I remember training Christmas Eve. Said no, kind of have a day with your family. Bearing in mind we had a game on the Boxing Day, and uh, he said no, go and see your families tomorrow. Turn up Boxing Day for the game. He said I'll trust you not be um, sort of silly having too many drinks. And I think we won the game six nil. Um, yeah, we and that's one of the things I said about earlier yeah. about his good man management. Yeah, we beat Colchester 6-1 at home. I remember the game very yeah. well. That's right, yeah. But as I say, Margie, yeah. But I mean, little things like that. Players get, when they're told to come in Christmas Day for like 15 minutes training, it just messes players' days up with their families. Um, I mean, if you're a player, you're not going to go out and get smashed Christmas Day anyway, if you know you've got a game the day. So, um, it's sort of a, a mental thing where you've had the day off and you've had a nice time with your family Christmas day and then you're fresh for the game the next day. And in that Oldham game, actually, you scored two goals. Then we get a penalty in the last minute. And normal, yeah, well, normally a player on a hat-trick gets to take the penalty. 
But I think that Chopper took the ball off you, didn't he? Well, no, I did say to him, you take it, because he was on, um, he was on, I think, however many goals it was, 25 goals for the goal. And I think he needed one more to get that. Um, so, I mean, to me, at the end of the day, it was no odds for me. Um, I'll let him take it. Yeah, well, I can't imagine many people giving up the chance to score a hat trick on and 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 to clinch promotion. No, don't get me wrong. It it would have been great to get a hat trick on that last day. Um, at the end of the day, I'd, I'd got to, and I, I knew it meant more to him than it would to me. I mean, for him to get a golden boot, brilliant achievement. And then we get presented with the trophy, and yeah, well. Yeah, well, Millwall being Millwall, uh, yeah, the podium was last seen going down towards the old Kent Road. Really? <laughs> uh, brilliant. It's funny, I was talking to someone the other day about the... Um, I've been having treatment on my knee, the knee operation a couple of months ago, and uh, Gary Sadler, the ex-Pompey physio, we were talking about um, big games and whatever, uh, and that was a massive day. And it's so draining physically, mentally. Uh, I mean, people people expect, I mean, especially being one of the old ones, people sort of say to you, oh, you must have gone out and had a few drinks and whatever and celebrated sort of into early hours. But for me, it was like after that game, I was so knackered. I mean, it's all the build before the game, which is mentally tiring, um, and then playing the game and then all the excitement of afterwards going around the pitch um, with the trophy. Um, so to me, it was like, I think I just ended up driving back home to Portsmouth, having a few drinks indoors and a curry, something like that. Um, but, I mean, we proper celebrated it when we uh, had the open top day when we went to the House of Parliament. So, uh, yeah, it's all good experience. You were Millwall on the piss in the Houses of Parliament. What could possibly go wrong with that? <laughs> I don't think it was too bad, to be fair. Um, I know we had a few drinks on the on the bus, the open-top bus and that. Um, but no, I, I remember it was quite a tame day, to be fair. <coughs> Shame. Yeah, but that was the day to make a statement, mate. Of course, that summer... Yeah, well, that summer was when uh, Chopper got his diagnosis of the testicular cancer. Uh, what do you remember about that? Yeah, not a lot, really. Um, other than I think everyone was quite shocked about it. Um, didn't know what the outcome was going to be. Um, but, I mean, for him to make a full recovery and play again, um, to go on and do the things he's done since then in management, whatever... Yeah, good. Really pleased for it. Because I think, had it not been for that, I think Millwall would actually have struggled to have kept hold of him, wouldn't they? Yeah, I think playing wise, he he was at, at his peak. I think, and uh, no doubt, a few clubs were sniffing around him. Um, so yeah, it was, it was sort of lucky that we kept him there for another year or so. Then I think actually that almost signalled the end of your time at Millwall because. I think you scored against Gillingham at the start of the following season, but then within a couple of weeks, you'd gone. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't really know um, what was going on in my personal life then. Uh, I was going through a divorce at the time, um, suffering bad depression. Um, and the travelling up every day was getting a bit, little bit too much. And I, I remember the, the Gillingham game. Um, speaking of Steve, when we were getting on the coach, and I said to him, I can't do it no more. Um, and to be fair, he, he said, look, just try and hang in there and um, sort things out. I mean, to be fair, he had me another year on my contract. I had a year left, so he offered me another year on top of that. Um, but it just come to the stage where I'd had enough of football because of what was going on in my personal life. Uh, joining Oxford, which was a mistake, because I thought it'd be sort of less travelling, a little bit easier, but... Um, I wish probably looking back now I'd stayed at Millwall for another year. Really? Yeah, but did the club mean that much to you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was I was in, obviously enjoying my football there. Um, felt settled at the club. I mean, obviously I stayed down in Portsmouth, lived down in Portsmouth. Um, but I used to stay either in a hotel or the club had a flat in Millwall, which I used to stay at before games. Um, and now I'm in even now that the Millwall fans I'm in touch with a lot of them um, so now it, it it probably is looking back over the club that I've played for the club that sort of um, they've shown me respect um, to be fair I mean I've come back and watched a few games and they always welcome me back and uh, the fans always welcome me back, which is a nice thing. Um, so, yeah, overall, brilliant experience. Did you find it quite, because that was towards the end of your career, did you find it quite difficult when you finished playing football? Sorry, I missed the last part of that. Sorry, yeah, well, that was towards the end of your career. Did you find it quite difficult? More? Yeah, well... I mean, I was probably 34, 35 at the time. And uh, being the size I am as well, it, it, you don't see many players playing after they're sort of 33, 34. Um, and it just come to the point where I, I had six months or so at Oxford. And as I say, what was going on in my personal life, I just sort of thought, now I've had enough now. Um, I mean, I joined Aldershot for about another six months, but then they, other things were more important to me than football. And just actually, um, yeah, yeah, well, just tell us, what are you up to these days? You said you're painting and decorating? Yeah, I'm really busy. So we just did a new um, house, my girlfriend and I, um, hence the dodgy wallpaper in the background you can see um, that will be coming off soon. But yeah, I'm painting and decorating now. Got loads to work on for myself um, all local um, which is what I was doing before I was playing professional football so uh, I've sort of gone full circle but I'm, I'm really happy now um, creating that in my work yeah but at least you've got the skills to change that dodgy wallpaper <laughs> yeah I've got lots of other stuff to do before that we were having a kitchen <laughs> built next week so uh, lots going on well then, Paul, right, yeah, well, that seems like a good place to leave it. We've been going for nearly an hour. We, Yeah, well, we really appreciate your time. 
No, I've enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Reliving some old memories and whatever. Um, no, I'm looking forward to coming up and watching a game, to be fair. I haven't really seen any. I'm probably going to watch the England in a minute. Um, but to be fair, I don't watch a lot of football now. Even on telly, I'm not really interested. Um, most games you watch now are quite boring. So, uh... Yeah, well, and you, Paul, thank you very much indeed for your time. So get new friends. Make sure Progressive's one of them and get coverage today for as little as $100 a year. Hey, also, I'm a little short on cash, so can you cover the chips? Thanks. I can see why Heather liked you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.